Welcome to Her Extraordinary Life by Design, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I'm your host, Leslie Gaudet, self-care coach for women who are ready to make self-care a priority to support them in life and business. Every week, I'll be speaking with inspiring women from various walks of life who will share their personal journeys and will discover how they have fearlessly carved their own paths as business owners, passionately pursuing their dreams, and creating a meaningful impact on their communities. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast. I'm your host, Leslie, and I'm excited to be speaking with my next guest. Today, we're talking with Tara Carbert. Tara is a self-discovery mindset coach who helps women intentionally reinvent their lives. She is the creator and founder of the Ambitious Addicts podcast, the Self-Discovery Sisterhood, and wildly committed to supporting women on their way to their goals. As I said, I'm so excited to have Tara on today. So let's get started. Welcome, Tara. Thanks for carving out time to be on my show today, especially as part of my self-care series. Yeah, happy to be here, Leslie. Always an honor to get time with you and appreciate the invitation. I am as passionate about self-care as you are and such a good topic. People need all the tools and perspectives they can get on this one. Absolutely. I totally agree. So before we get into the conversation, I like to, as, as We've talked about this previously when we've talked on other platforms. I'd like to get uh, a little a little bit about you uh, to be shared with our audience so that they can kind of see where you're coming from, get to know your personality. Uh, so just please share a little bit about who you are, your life, how you grew up, and then we're going to segue into our conversation. We could spend a whole day talking about all those things. I will tell you that I am a woman who lives in Minnesota, born and raised here. I am 47 years old. So if that gives you some context about where I am in my life journey, thank you for the great introduction highlighting the Ambitious Addicts podcast and the Self-Discovery Sisterhood. That is a journey that started about seven years ago when I actually entered recovery from a gambling addiction. I spent a lot of my life really in a self-destructive pattern because I wasn't prioritizing self-care. And in that context, I mean, my emotional well-being and actually really facing the truth of what I had done in my life, what other things, external circumstances that were out of my control had as impact in my life. And I'd been really just, you know, powering through life as I thought I was supposed to be living it without ever really doing any self-reflection. And that moment of, I would call it a form of awakening into this transition into who I am today, it was so powerful. And this self-discovery journey and coming to know who I am, what I want, and finding all of the new perspective on history is what's got me as committed as I am now to helping women do the same and really know themselves deeply so that they can love themselves and believe in themselves and go after their dreams. Yeah. And I think that's so important too. It's like really, I think you touched on what I think is the biggest component there is loving themselves Mm -hmm. because everything in life stems from that. If you don't like who you are, if you don't love yourself, your life, the way you approach it, there's no joy in it because you'll find flaws in your experiences. You'll find ways to doubt yourself. We get into that whole 
worthiness question, if you're deserving, if you're enough. And so I really truly believe that it starts with us, like how we feel about ourselves, how we look at ourselves, how we, if we love ourselves, if we think we're enough, and if we're allow- allowing ourselves to have that conversation with that inner critic in our heads to shift that their, our perspective, but go deeper. And I, I love, you know, your methodology, like how you take your clients through that, through that deeper questioning of getting curious about why they are like what that doubt is or what that fear is, but then getting more curious around it to uncover, unpack it, to see like where it's coming from mm-hmm. and then being okay and not beating yourself up for it. I think that is like one of the big things yeah. is that we tend to, you know, take ourselves or uh, over the, you know, I don't know, over the coals. We put ourselves over the coals. I don't even know if that's the right I think it's terminology. Rake, rake raking over the coals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And we'll do that over and over on repeat in our own head. And people don't know that we're doing it, but we'll do that to ourselves, even though other people may have moved on from a conversation or that event has passed. It's been hours, days, weeks, months, years even, and we'll still be holding on to it. So I really love that you brought that up because that's like my biggest thing I think is like loving yourself. It starts there, like the inner work, it starts there and it moves you through to, you know, everything else in your life. So I want to ask you this question and we're going to talk about some things. I don't know if we're going to still go through the flow that I kind of talked to you about, but we're going to sure. see what that looks like. Okay. So first I want to just ask you what, what self-care is to you and how has your definition of it evolved? Yeah. So I would say I mean, self-care to me now is knowing what I need and giving myself permission to give that to myself instead of trying to meet other people's expectations or fit into uh, the box maybe society might try to put me into, but really honoring who I am and what I need. And so that can come in many different ways. I mean, some days that means I am without regret going to let myself just sit there and listen to an audiobook for two hours because that's what I need, downtime and quiet, or that I'm going to clean my house in a way that's like I go into one room and I find something that belongs in another room and I go in the other room and I do a little there and I find something that goes in another room. I used to think like, I suck at cleaning, right? But the way I clean (laughs) is different than other people. And so it's doing life my way without judging myself for the way that I am. That is, I mean, the big overarching self-care for me is honoring who I am, how I am, and intentionally deciding, do I want to embrace this side of me or do I want to make an intentional choice to try to create some change here? That's self-care to me, but it can come in the form of you know, walking, relaxing, resting, bouts of high energy, writing for four hours in a manic state because I have peaks and valleys in my energy. So now I kind of ride those waves instead of questioning why am I the way that I am? Yeah. And I think that's important too. Like you, you touched on, it's really self-care your way. I think a lot of people get caught up in, or they look at self-care as being those, what I call self, self-care, like 
getting the mani-pedis and the massages, getting your hair done, going for a nice lunch, buying yourself something. Those to me are celebrations of self, doing something that you like to do for you to Mm -hmm. make yourself feel good. But, you know, there's a lot of those essentials. And I talk about essentials of self-care a lot of the time on my YouTube uh, channel that I have. And we don't need to go into that here. But I think what I have found is that when women that I've talked to, when I tell them that, you know, it's really about what fits your lifestyle is what self-care looks like for you. And I think for you, you, you've nailed it for yourself. Like that's what it looks like for you. It doesn't have to look the same as anyone else. It has to fit your lifestyle, especially too, if you are, you know, if you move a lot, like I used to, I used to move around quite a lot. Now I've been here the longest, almost a year in one place here in Florida, but I used to move every six months. So my self-care, you know, I felt sometimes it would take a beating because I was like, uh, up and down and moving around. And when I say self-care, I'm not talking just about, you know, having those routines in place, but I also am talking about how I'm honoring myself through when we get on the road and we drive and we were constantly stopping for the fast foods. And I just felt like icky at the end of our traveling time, which usually was about four days of driving because we took our time because we were always pulling a trailer and I just couldn't stand to sit in the car and neither could my husband longer than eight hour days. And so here we would be like, you know, not really taking care of ourselves physically. And then emotionally, it was a lot of like, okay, my business, I can't do anything with my business like because I'm exhausted. Really, it felt exhausting from traveling. So for me, the whole self-care was really taking a beating for me until I learned that it doesn't have to be the same all the time. Like my self-care can change to fit my lifestyle. So when I was moving, it could change to fit my lifestyle. So we found ways to have things in the car that were healthy to eat. I found ways to actually honor myself through some sort of self-care through listening to podcasts or audiobooks as we were driving. You know, he did the driving, so I was able to do that. I found ways to do that, but it was a little bit of touch and go of like trying to figure it out. And that's why I really love the fact that you touched on it, that it doesn't have, it, it fits you. It's what works for you and, and how it changes over time is okay. Like we can, yeah. we can change. We don't have to have the same routine all the time. We don't have to do the same things all the time, but I think people get caught up in that. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think there's these buckets of self-care for me now, you know, there's kind of mind, body, spirit, and contribution. And I'll put contribution in the bucket of like money and the ability to generate dollars in whatever way I'm choosing to earn so that I can contribute to our commodity, to our community, to causes I care about. So that's what I mean when I say contribution. and. Sometimes I need more of one of those pillars than I do another. And if I'm truly attuned with self-care for me, my self-care, it's much easier to say, you know what, the body side is where I'm going to focus right now, or the mind side is where I'm going to focus right now. There's a lot of pressure on us externally to do it all. And when we are trying to do it all, we can very easily fall into this trap of comparing ourselves to the latest best-selling book that tells us how to do it all. <laughs> or our our friends on Instagram who appear that they're doing it all. But if you sit down and have a cup of coffee, 
you know, they'll tell you about the hidden pile of laundry behind the door. You know, we're not, we're not always all doing it all. And it's okay to give yourself levers, if you will, I'm making a gesture here of like up and down, you know, one might go up, I might train for a 5k where then my body, my body emphasis becomes maybe more than my spiritual, you know, and I might keep one spiritual practice instead of four going at the same time. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It's just, it's again, it's like what fits you at the time and it can change and it's okay. Change is okay. As long as you're still honoring yourself in those, you know, those ways, you know, where you Mm -hmm. are, as the saying goes, filling your cup. So I appreciate that. So I want to ask you this question before I think I'm going to segue into something else because we talked briefly before coming on. So, and we'll get to that conversation, but when it comes to your self-care, how do you protect it? Yeah. So the boundary, I would say, and boundaries, I'll give you kind of more my definition, like for an emphasis on like boundaries are for me, like boundaries aren't something I give somebody else or that it's somebody else's responsibility to accommodate. My boundaries are are for me. They are ways I choose to to live my life. And so I've got one kind of non-negotiable boundary that I make it to some form of a recovery meeting, whether that be virtual or in person every single week. And that I have a conversation with my sponsor in my 12-step recovering program every single week. And or if I don't, that I know when the next one is going to happen. Because of course, you know, two people's schedules don't always align every single week, but almost every single week, I've got an hour dedicated to each of those things. It's non-negotiable. My friends know, do not, you know, don't ask Tara to do something on a Tuesday because she's just going to tell you no. <laughs> um, so that those things I would say are my my very, very protected. The other thing I protect is downtime for me, that's just time with myself alone to listen to myself, to listen and in my mind, listening to myself is kind of listening to my inner guidance, which I think comes from my higher power, which I call God. And so that's time in either prayer or meditation or journaling or reflection. And meditation for me is not sitting still and like, oh, it is, uh, it's an active meditation for me that's either walking or journaling and actually writing out the thinking that's coming to me in that time where I'm alone myself. And that's a non-negotiable five minutes a day, but I try to make it 30. Yeah. And I love that. Actually, I just started back with journaling. I had stopped for a long time. And I think it was because I was looking at writing as being so time intrusive. It mm. takes too long to write. But then I recognized recently, and I've been doing this now for, you know, I'm in my second week is that when you journal, it gives you time to think about what you're going to write and it get, allows you to process your thoughts and you become more intentional, more, you, you go deeper, the thoughts go deeper. And that's when I, I've found, and I truly believe this is I've done it before, but I'd forgotten somehow that there's a lot of magic inside of us that we tend to forget about until we start to write it out. There's just something about writing. And I know there's scientific evidence around, you know, writing as opposed to typing it into an app or typing it on to your computer. And I guess there's that, like that brain hand correlation, but definitely have enjoyed journaling and 
and, and it's and it's really lovely to see the thoughts coming out that I I'm becoming more I know bold I guess in the things that I'm writing and so I I really love that and so with this question that I had finished asking you I wanted to segue into something we've been talking about. So when this goes to air, of course, we know this is airing next month in October, but we're recording a little bit earlier in September. My uh, youngest brother passed away on September 15th. So uh, he was battling an addiction. Uh, He was over 30 years of being an alcoholic. And the sad part of it was that he never admitted it to himself. I don't know, but he never admitted it to anyone that he would that he needed help, nor was he uh, open to receiving help either from his family members or from external sources where people were qualified to do that. Even though I believe it would have been really beneficial, I've seen it through other people I know who've gone through different programs that's helped them. And it doesn't even have to, I, I know it doesn't have to be any type of a dick be some kind of emotional thought patterns, emotional patterns, you know, you're addicted to being in that learned helplessness state of mind that's completely different off topic. But for him, it was alcohol. And he was very sick. He'd gone, he actually left for where he he actually passed away in the Philippines. And he left last, he left on Saturday, September 9th. And within the week, he was gone. He had been in, he was in the hospital. He'd been suffering. He then became non-communicative and then non-responsive to being uh, resuscitated. And then they called the time of death. So I guess what I wanted to segue into is, you know, you have a lot of experience around this and you've been able to navigate it, I believe, with such grace and ease in the way that you approach working with people. You know, I've had even the pleasure of sitting with you and you talking through thoughts with me. You know, I always believe no matter where you are in life, and even if you're a coach that you can still, you're still human and you still need those connections with people who can kind of see outside of the lines that you're, cause you're stuck in this little box. So what are your thoughts around how someone, especially when it comes to self-care to be able to honor themselves without getting into that grieving place I mean, it's okay to grieve, but how does someone move through in your experience through that grief process while still honoring themselves? I don't have a clear cut answer for you. So I'll start there. My experience as an addict was largely because I was avoiding grief. I lost my my father specifically to his extended alcoholism. He too, like your brother, did not ever admit. I I think there was an admission to self, but never willing to ask for help or receive help. Maybe small discussions of it just before he died. And that death actually came at a time when my gambling was escalating. So I can give you my perspective with the benefit of hindsight, (laughs) maybe more like don't do this. <laughs> and what I what I want to say, I would believe I would do today. I've not lost anyone that close to me since I found recovery. I have experienced grief and death since then, but not such a close familial relationship. My mom passed when I was 25. And then my dad about 10 years later, 11 to be more to be 
precise, precise. And what I didn't do was I didn't let myself grieve. I didn't experience the pain. I didn't allow the sadness. I continued to put on the brave and happy face and go about my days without ever acknowledging that it hurt, that I missed them, that I was angry, so that I thought it was my fault. And these are all things I've now sat down and acknowledged and allowed myself to experience emotionally. So the what I would do today would be to sit with yourself and sit with those emotions to carve out time to allow your grief to come in, but in small bits and pieces, because it is an overwhelming mix of emotions, if I'm being frank. I did a little acronym on this. I'm a person who swears. I accept that about myself. So if you don't like swear words, skip the next five seconds. The acronym I have for grief is get ready for intense emotional fuckery. You do not know what's going to come from day to day. There might be one day where you're just, you know, elated and having a really happy memory of a time that you shared with an individual, lean into that. That will help you experience the joy of remembrance. And then there will be another day where you're thinking, or maybe even five seconds after the joyous experience, where you remember a fight you had with that person and you're angry and bitter and resentful and lean into that. So Allowing yourself to experience the feelings instead of trying to hop, skip, and jump over them will put you in a position where you can embrace and embody the reality that you're in without denying those emotions existing, while also being aware that they are having impact on you. So you don't feel the need to silence them through some external force. And the external force that I chose to silence the feelings I was unwilling to feel at that time was gambling, but it could have been anything. And when I quit gambling, it became, you know, my people pleasing went way up or I might've started drinking a little bit more. And once I learned how to like have my feelings and that my feelings are temporary and that they aren't actually going to hurt me. That's when I was able to experience grief in a way that actually almost celebrates this wide spectrum of emotions. We as humans, unlike any animal that we are aware of anyway, get to experience it. And the honoring of yourself in that moment is to be honest with yourself about how you're feeling. That's, I feel like I just went on like a little lecture there, but. No, but I love it. And I think that's important because again, this is still, you know, at the time of airing, this will obviously the time will have passed, but right now it's fresh. Like we're recording the day after, you know, and. And I was like, I'm a thousand percent okay with you not. And you're honoring yourself by saying, you know what, right now I actually want that. Yeah. I want to talk about this. Number one, number two, I kind of want the distraction. So I'm not alone with my feelings. And that's another part of self-care is knowing when it's not safe for you to be alone with your feelings or you're not quite ready, but you know you're preparing yourself to do that. Yeah. And and also too, for me, I'm kind of that person right now who's in solution mode because I'm having to make a lot of decisions 
you know, based on the circumstances and trying to navigate, manage family members and their feelings and trying to be respectful of that, but also having to be respectful of me and putting a little bit of limits on people's access to me, the boundaries around that. And so that is necessary. That really is about, even though it's about me, it is about honoring myself. And I think when the time comes, I'll be able to sit and think about the life that unfortunately, tragically is, has been lost, but also how to, to move forward and help others in my family move forward and heal from this, especially because I am so far away and my family's in Canada. So, you know, it, it makes it a little bit difficult. Yeah. I, I think it's important for the audience to hear the intentionality of your choice here too, because you're not saying I'm going to skip the feelings, right? You're saying I'm, I want right now to be that person in my family who helps other people process. And I know I need the time to process, but right now, you know, I'm choo- you're choosing this. You're not saying it like you have to do it or that it's, it must be on your shoulders. I know you well enough to know that you're like, I want to, to be this contributor to my family and I want to protect myself. You told me a story before we hopped on mic that that shows me you're honoring yourself, you know, that you are doing that limiting of access. Like I can only handle so much of this type of communication right now. I'll reach out to you when I'm ready for more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, and I I'm am so choosing sorry that. that you're in this place right now, but I'm also so proud of you that, you know, that you, that you are, you are knowing what you need and you're listening to what you need. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I think it's really, as I was saying to you before we hopped on, was that it felt like it, our conversation is showing up at the right time because this wasn't, we had planned for this to be the recording this, this like time in of May. year. Like, yeah, we had record, <laughs> we were actually supposed to record yesterday and that was the day of. And so it really, it goes to show that sometimes timing really is everything. And I think the timing of this, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but I would say it showed up when it was needed the most. And so I'm really happy that it was that I got to have you be the person that I talked to about this on the show. So I thank you for that. Before we move to the last couple of questions I do want to ask you, I want to get back to, again, how you serve the women that you've worked with. I, I don't know if yet if you're if you've reached out and you're starting to serve men in the community and how and, and perhaps maybe it's just through the women you serve that that's how you help men. But you know there's just a couple of questions I guess would be first is what would be your number one tip uh for helping someone make self-care consistent, especially when they are let's say maybe even it's it's consistent or a priority, I guess, when they are going through, you know, like grief, if you will. I want to stay on that for a second and then we'll move into the last question. Yeah. My number one tip would be schedule the time. And right after that, it it starts small. So if you haven't been prioritizing self-care at all, it's going to feel foreign, going to feel weird. You're going to maybe think you're being selfish. Other people might tell you you're being selfish. So 
schedule the time is, is number one that make sure you know when it's going to happen and that it is going to happen and that you've got a true commitment to it. But you can start small. I mean, it can start with five minutes a day. It can start with a minute if it needs to. I think in the beginning of my journey, it was like, you know, three things you're grateful for. It only takes a minute to write those down if even. And so starting small is totally okay. And as you get used to doing this for yourself, you're going to love it and you're going to want more of it and you're going to add more time and you're you're going to find it on its own. It will simply become a priority because of the positive impact it has not only on your life, but the lives of all the people around you who get the you who has prioritized herself. I think when we put ourselves last, we give other people permission to put us last. And in some way, it almost shows them it's okay to put themselves last too. So when a person prioritizes their self-care and their well-being, everybody kind of ripple effect benefits from that. So block the time, start small. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love the fact about starting small. I think especially because someone, it could be in this situation and they get frazzled. I don't have the time. I have so much to do. I have to do all of these things. And yet they're not honoring themselves and they're depleted. They become resentful. And I think it's really important to to do that. I think self-care should be a priority. I think it should be a non-negotiable really uh, mindset. Like should be the first thing you think about is taking care of you every single day. You know, and if you haven't been doing that, you and I both had big, significant chunks of our life where we were not taking care of ourselves at all. It feels so foreign, and your brain is going to show up with all sorts of reasons why it's not important, why you shouldn't do it, why you don't have the time, why it's not fair to others. All of that is going to show up. And so, if you start small, you can really begin to build evidence that it's none of that is true. That that's all just lies that your brain is telling you because you're very used to neglecting yourself. Now, mm-hmm. if you already have some good self-care practices, great. You can dial it up a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Well, so I have one final question for you. And this is about the women that you actually uh, support mm-hmm. as a self-discovery mindset coach, which I love that that whole, the self-discovery. I think that is such a beautiful way to to like just save someone, you can rediscover yourself. So as that, as a self-discovery mindset coach, how do you recommend women reshape their thought patterns or beliefs around self-care to support reinventing themselves? Yeah, we talked about you journaling and journaling in general. That's my number one way for you to start. You cannot know what's going on in your mind if you do not listen to what you're saying. And the fastest path to accessing your subconscious mind, which drives so much of our emotional experiencing and our behaviors, is pen to paper. It's like a secret doorway into your subconscious to help you see what's going on underneath, underneath the masking that we sometimes do. And I know you say like loving yourself is number one. And it's the first step. And for me, I think the first step is actually knowing yourself, deeply knowing yourself. And 
No self-care practice that the number one self-care practice I get is right. Talk to yourself, literally talk to yourself, pen to paper, and you'll see what's going on in your mind. And then you get to decide on purpose if you want to let that thinking still be there or not and come up with a plan for turning it around if not. Love that. Lots of gold there. I hope that you you took notes, ladies, or again, gentlemen, if you're listening, uh, definitely uh, that was some gold dropped. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom around self-discovery and growth. Your insights on empowering women to invent, reinvent their lives is so inspiring because I love what you do. And I really believe that you're helping people to see that it's not as hard as we make it for ourselves to actually get to know who we are so that we can become who we want to be when we discover that person and we're allowing, giving ourselves permission. So I really, really, truly have loved having you on here. It's really been exciting conversations. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Leslie. And I feel the same way about your work. I see it as like the next player, like they come to me and they start to learn that they actually do want to prioritize self-care more and you give them a lot more options to actually create that self-care plan. And it's so, so critical. So everybody listening, go out, discover yourself, love yourself, take care of yourself so that you can, you know, continue to live each day as the you that you want to be. I love that. And to our listeners, be sure to check the show notes for Tara's contact information if you'd like to work with her directly. Her coaching could be just what you need to transform your life. I truly hope Tara's message leaves you feeling motivated and excited about the possibilities ahead. I'm wishing you all a beautiful rest of your day and week. As always, keep dreaming big, believing in yourself, and taking steps to design your extraordinary life one day at a time. Thank you for joining me on Her Extraordinary Life by Design. I hope you've been inspired and empowered by the incredible stories shared on this show. If you enjoyed this episode and the conversations we've had, I would greatly appreciate if you could take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback and support mean the world to me, and it will help others discover the podcast and join our empowering community. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Together, we can continue to learn from these amazing women uncover their extraordinary journeys, and be motivated to create our own lives by design. Thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, stay empowered and keep shaping your extraordinary life one day at a time. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. 
Electric acid.